Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I'm Bob Kaler, freshly back from Indianapolis and the WCA gatherings we had there the first week of May. We had a WCA Global Council meeting where we were able to welcome in many of our international leaders who were vaxxed and who had visas and made it absolutely fine. And also, we had our Global Legislative Assembly on Friday, May 6th, marvelous gathering where some important decisions were made and introduced the new president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, Jay Therrell, as uh, Keith Boyette is moving on to be the transitional coordinator for the Global Methodist Church. And then Saturday, we had a marvelous, rousing time at the Global Gathering with some great speakers, and we're going to bring all that to you in the coming weeks, along with a lot of interviews we had with some of our leaders across the connection. And in this first episode around the Global Gathering, we interviewed several of our international leaders, Forbes Matanga from Zimbabwe, Jonathan Razone from the Philippines, Kimba Evarista from the Congo, who are all on the WCA Council, and who all bring varying perspectives on what's happening in the United Methodist Church and with the launch of the Global Methodist Church. This is a great interview. I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope it'll be informative for you. Give it a listen. What a great privilege it is to be here in Indianapolis. I'm down here in the lobby of the Hampton Inn, which is a great studio location, But I've got two of our WCA international leaders here. And I want to say here, they're here in person. Forbes Matanga, Jonathan Razone, welcome. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. It's so good to see you both. It's been a long time since we've been together in person. Indeed. And uh, we had a WCA council meeting today. Yeah. And I wanted to just catch up with both of you and to catch up our listeners on what's happening in your regions in Africa and in the Philippines. So uh, let's start with Forbes. Forbes, tell us, uh, a little, first of all, a little bit about yourself and where you, where you serve and, uh, and what's happening in Zimbabwe. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, my name is Forbes Matonga, and I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm glad to just share with you that, you know, from where I come from, You know, we are excited about what is happening in our denomination, although, of course, it is not very good uh, to be in a conflicting situation. But, you know, at times that's where you see God, God's hand. Um, I am a pastor full-time at a mission. It's a new appointment, a mission called Murewa Mission. Uh, The last nine years I was at another mission called Nyadiri Mission. So it's exciting that I do have a new appointment uh, where, um, you know, I'm looking for greater things from God to lead the people over there. Uh, I do serve on the council of the WCA, um, and I'm excited that at least we were able to come here in person. Uh, and this is in the context of new developments that are happening. Uh, exciting, but at the same time challenging. Um, exciting in that, you know, every, everything, when we see God's hand creating a new thing, it is exciting. And this is a new ministry, a new way, a new brand of Methodism that is starting. So because of that, we are excited to see what it can do. But it is challenging in that it is not what we expected. We expected the amicable separation 
as uh, envisaged in the protocol of separation. So it is with a little bit of disappointment that we have to go in a kind of a disorderly manner when we could have done something differently as Christians. So this is what makes us you know, feel not good about it. But anyway, we are in it, and you know, we are hoping that God is creating something new. Jonathan, you, you were telling me yesterday, and Forbes, I know you, you both had incredible journeys to get here. Yeah. I think you were telling me, Jonathan, 27 hours? 27, yeah. Forbes, how long was it for you? Uh, almost 18 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, get, I get antsy on a two-hour flight from Denver. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. I have eight hours land travel and uh, 19 hours in the plane. So it's hard to even know what day it is at this point. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, Jonathan, tell us about yourself and your ministry there in the Philippines. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jonathan Razon. I'm also an ordained elder in the Northeast Philippines Annual Conference. Um, I have just finished my eight years term as district superintendent. Uh, and after that, I'm now, together with my wife, working as a... Uh, pastors in one local church in my district. Uh, she is serving as my associate, and I am her uh, senior pastor in that local church. You know, uh, what is happening now in the Philippines in related to what is the issue now in the uh, global United Methodist Church. When I say global United Methodist Church, it refers to the uh, issue on this uh, same-sex marriage, on what had happened during the General Conference in 2016 and 2019. Uh, let me say here... Uh, Exactly that uh, in the Philippines now, uh, there are only few uh, lay people and including pastors discussing or who are involved in, in, in discussing this issue. They do not want to, practically they do not want to discuss this issue. Because uh, uh, our leaders in, in, in the Philippines, they want us to maintain the unity of the church, particularly the United Methodist Church, so that uh, no one will, no one is expected to separate from the United Methodist Church. They want us to continue uh, as members of the United Methodist Church, telling us that uh, they have been telling us that uh, it is better for us to maintain our unity as a central conference, allowing the uh, United Methodist Church here in the U.S. and other uh, United Methodist Church in the whole world who are practicing this uh, same-sex marriage, we just uh, 
allow the practice in those uh, places that they are practicing it and allowed by the, their their law, their law. But in the Philippines, since there is no law allowing same-sex marriage, according to them, as long as we do not have it in the Philippines, as long as there is no law that will allow us to practice this uh, same-sex and uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, And as long as we maintain the unity of the church in the name of unity, we should compromise with those who are practicing it. We do not mind whether there are areas that practicing this uh, same-sex marriage. And uh, as I've said, as long as we maintain the unity of the church. But there are few leaders not only those who are in the Philippines now, but even those uh, Filipino United Methodists, both clergy and lay in diaspora. We have this coalition of leaders who are now uh, uh, making this uh, not only plan, but we have already uh, a movement to inform our fellow United Methodist traditionalists that these issues is uh, uh, that this issue on separation is no longer um, it is already irreparable. It is already in this in the states that uh, there is a need of separation. So what we are doing now is to let to start uh, this uh, campaign of informing our fellow United Methodist Filipino traditionalists for them to be ready also that uh, when time comes, particularly we are we are waiting for the approval of the protocol hopefully we are still hoping for <laughs> its approval in the uh, in the 2024 gen- general conference um, as of now the the lay leader in the central conference because we have a central conference lay leader he is now uh, engaging more people both lay and uh, clergy, in discussing the issue because they were the very first time that the Central Conference lay leader called for for a, a, a meeting together with these uh, different leaders, joining him to in discussing this issue and planning on what we can do in response to what is happening now in the United Methodist Church. So it, it's a it's a really interesting situation that you all find yourselves in. Yeah. I mean, we get this conflict here in the U.S. is much more overt, I think, in some ways. But there's a lot of other stuff happening. And so, Forbes, you wrote something for Firebrand Magazine, which yeah. we'll, we'll reference in the podcast as well, because I think it was an important read that that Africa is thinking about extending on till 2024 to pass something like the protocol, correct? Exactly. Yeah. You know what? Um, here, to, to start with, 
uh, just like what my friend has said, uh, uh, Razon, you know, our leaders were not promoting discussions or conversations yeah. around these issues. In fact, they wanted it to keep to be kept secret, so that many people would not even know that there is something happening. And then probably the strategy was just to then tell people that in the United States there are certain people who have decided to move out of the United Methodist so that it is branded like it's just a small breakaway. Mm. They did under, misunder, they, they underrated the relationship and the intelligence of the African delegates. That is my assessment. Mm. And they didn't know that under the underground delegates were engaging in those things and they were following these issues, you know, very clearly. There is an assumption that uh, 2019 Africans did not vote for what they were convinced about, but it's like they were manipulated by Americans to vote, and some even thought Africans were bought to vote the way they did. But, you know, people are realizing now both you know, especially the liberal side of the church, they now realize that you no know, Africans were voting with their convictions. And uh, this is to our thinking. We think that this is one of the reasons why they are now applying some breaks. I take this as an emergency break, you know, yeah. because they realize the vehicle is going off the, off the cliff. Mm. So because of that, uh, we need to just uh, put across the message very clearly that Africans voted knowingly out of their convictions because we believe that homosexuality, as is stated in the Book of Discipline, is not compatible with Christian teaching. It is not the way God designed marriage to be. And this is our conviction. So for that reason, we think as uh, African United Methodists, we will not allow, for as long as we are in the United Methodist, we will not allow the book of discipline to be changed. To start with, we are a connectional church. This attempt to regionalize and attempt to fragment our polity in order to accommodate what we believe is sinful is unacceptable. So for that reason, we maintain that Africans are looking forward to passing the protocol. Precisely because the language that was used is postponement. They did not cancel. So for as long as they've postponed, we continue to have the same contingent of delegates as was the case, you know, uh, preparing for 2020. And those delegates know the issues. The majority of those are the same delegates that voted in 2019. And we are convinced that we will pass the protocol. Mm. Yeah. Then secondly, we also believe that the Christmas covenant that they are trying to promote will not pass. And this is just from a mathematical point of view. It requires two-thirds. And there is no way the liberals in the United States and part of Europe will constitute the two-thirds that is required to pass the Christmas covenant for them to be able to change the teachings of the church. They will not. But we think we were generous as Africans and Christians to accept separation, not because we were defeated, not because we were a minority. We accepted because we thought, we thought it was the most Christian thing to do, to bless each other 
when we see things differently because this is the biblical way of solving problems we have many cases in the bible that you know that were like that so in our article we are reminding especially the liberals that if they think when the conservatives in the US go then they now have leeway to change the bible they are, they are again miscalculating mm. because africans constitute more than 42% of the present delegates and then if they actually even have less because the the, the conservatives have gone it means they will be even lesser and most likely, if we combine the Africans, the Philippines, and the Eastern, East, Eastern Europeans, then probably we now constitute 52 or even 54%. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, we don't see where their confidence in changing the, 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 the book is coming from. And we think that after 2024, they will realize the wisdom in amicable separation. So this is where we are coming from, and that's why we are confident that come 2024, unless they postpone again, <laughs> you know, yeah. but come 2024, the result will be the same as 2019, and the Book of Discipline will remain prohibitive, and we are not going to go to the big tent. The church is not a tent. The church has the teachings of Jesus Christ. We were instructed by Jesus himself to keep his commandments, and we will simply do that. We keep them. Wow. Kimba Evarista has joined us. Can, can you pass the mic over to him there, Jonathan? Um, Kimba, introduce yourself and uh, tell us where you're from and tell us what's happening in your, in your region. Thank you very much. As you are all aware, you need to remember that the statistic of the United Methodist Church shows that Congo is the stronghold of the United Methodist Church in Africa. So, Congo has four Episcopal areas, and then the size is really big, with um, around 11 or 12 annual conferences. So, the situation of the church there is very tricky depending on which side the Episcopal Episcopal leader is leaning on. Uh, We have each Episcopal leader with his position regarding the current situation in the church, and then that can be seen the way he's doing his job in the Episcopal area. And then you can see who are his friends and who are not his friends. All those, how the the, the conference is interacting with the international uh, uh, community of uh, uh, UMC as as a whole. But for us in our area, we have experienced very hard situation, very bad, very disappointing, dishonoring even the work of the church, where we see the book of discipline being violated extensively, 
you can be even questioning yourself that is this really a church mm. for which this Jesus Christ died for? We want to extend where you see instructions from the episcopal leader saying I don't want to see such 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 person and then they just go through the board of ordained ministry no charges brought against you no offenses raised they just say it is a word from the the boss and then we need to go by that then you are suspended you are excluded your credentials are taken away no no charges mm. they can't listen to you you no trial so all that is just a violation of the book of dis- discipline and then you see in some cases where a bishop has the courage even to put his own pastor a bishop is putting his own pastor in prison wow a bishop a shepherd who is supposed to care to bring peace to unite to use wisdom and how to handle cases but this is the same guy who is the first to go and take his his pastor to court and make sure the pastor ends up in prison and that has happened in the Congo wow and then within the united methodist church so so when we think it's bad here it's it's nothing like <laughs> what you're what you're what we're seeing in congo yeah, but yeah. in congo it has happened yeah you are very shocking very disappointed wow so which which kind of a church is is like that wow and then when you try to raise up a voice you know, you say you stand you say no bishop this is not what the church should be this is not what the discipline is saying then you become rebel you are a dissident you are a puppet of the colonialist so we are treated we are we have been given all sort of names because of our stand to denounce what is not correct mm-hmm. what is evil to say that is not what the bible says that is not what the book of discipline says it's a fascinating way of looking at this to to talk to you all because we it, it certainly puts things in perspective um Jonathan tell us a little bit about what's happening in the Philippines in terms of the GMC and and where you all are you you had said basically they're trying to talk to you more about the Christmas covenant and if the Christmas covenant passes then then you're okay right yeah yeah that is uh exactly what is uh, happening now in in the Philippines uh, they rather want us to discuss the Christmas covenant instead of discussing the possibility of how we can have a, a process to follow when separation will come. It's because whether we like it or not, uh, there are already uh, actually a former district superintendent who, 
who now separated his uh, congregation he 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 already uh, created a certain group outside the united methodist church he he is now uh, on the process of uh, registering this uh, new group outside the united methodist church a new denomination so to speak and he is now considered as uh, the first uh, clergy who wanted to become member of the global methodist church what is piny now among the uh, national let me say okay let me say that bishops uh, there is no leadership from the bishop although they are telling us that they are um, traditionalists but they are not leading the Philippine church just the Philippine United Methodist Church they are not leading us to to that direction on how we can continue to support the movement that will help us to continue in our stand as United Methodists uh, not to allow same-sex marriage to happen in the whole United Methodist Church even we do not practice that in, in, in the Philippines. Um, they rather keep us silent on the issue than to be involved. That is, I think that is what my friend uh, Forbes was telling us a while ago, what is happening in, in Zimbabwe. The same is true is on, on what is happening in the Philippines now. I do not know if they have agreement among the central conferences bishops that this strategy for them not to so that uh, there uh, there will be no uh, I, I said uh, so that there will be only those who will only be informed a small part of those uh, churches in the central conferences that they may if ever they will decide to join the GMC, uh, as long as only few people will know about the issue, the chances is that there will be only few uh, people who will be who will have this uh, chance to decide whether they will go to GMC or not. Mm. Uh, the less people know about the GMC, the less people will go to become member of the GMC. Yeah, so it, it, it becomes an issue of, of really information, and you all have been working really hard yeah. at getting information out, which is not so easy, particularly when you have a lot of people who live in very rural areas, um, and, and so you're having to work at that extra hard, and I know you all have been at the forefront of that. Uh, Forbes, you brought up something I found interesting. We're talking about 
General Conference 2024, and we're still waiting at this recording on whether the Judicial Council allows this to be a continuation of the 2020 General Conference or whether it's a brand new General Conference in 2024. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, as someone who has a rudimentary knowledge of these things, that if it is in fact changed to the 2024 General Conference and we have new elections of delegates, Mm -hmm. that means that Africa is going to have an even greater majority. Would not that be be the case? That's what we think. Because uh, our, um, our, our, the, the, the configuration of the general conference is supposed to be based on membership. So hypothetically, what we are saying is that should GMC move away with, say, a million people, it means American membership is now less. And right now, probably we have a difference of about a million between the American United Methodists and the African United Methodists. So should Americans lose a million, it means the Africans now becomes the majority. Mm -hmm. And we expect to see that configuration reflected in the numbers of the delegates that are coming to the general conference. So automatically that makes Africa at least the majority. If we cannot... But we still have the Philippines. We still have Eastern Europe. If we combine those, and of course there are a number of traditionalists, American, who are remaining because of the main hurdles that people have to cross in order for them to go. So by 2024, not all traditionalists would have gone out of the United Methodists. So again, if those streams join together in 2024, I see them still commanding the majority. And therefore, we can still repeat what happened in 2019. And um, even if we were slightly lower, for Christmas covenant to pass, it requires two-thirds. Right. So we don't see how liberals are going to have two-thirds in 2024. So this is where we, we, we don't see the logic. So... For us, that's why we thought that you know the conservatives across the connection have accept, had accepted to be generous, to say rather than conflicting as brothers and sisters, why not separate amicably? So, and this is what is being rejected, and this is our reading of the continuous uh, postponement. We came from Africa. The plane we were in was carrying more than 400 people in one place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and why would United Methodists not have a general conference when 400 people are are, are squeezed in a small plane? So it tells us a different story. And it means also that those people who came from the centrist liberal side were not negotiating in good faith when they came to the protocol, this is what is coming out. So we think if there is something that is not right with our church at the present moment is sincerity. We want people who are sincere. And when we are discussing things, I think we need to agree on something with, you know, with sincerity. So that's what we think has been broken by the, this continuous postponement, which definitely, right now we are looking at the games there 
on the television over there how many people are in that ground right and why not united methodists i think that's what uh, we need to go play this is a betrayal of trust mm. a lot of interesting things here to to uh consider and and it's been a, a great conversation i want to give you a chance for some some last words so uh, Kimba, let's go with you. What uh, what would you want people to know about what's happening in Congo and what your vision is of, of what the next couple of years are going to look like? Yeah, I think uh, personally I have a contrary view from what my friend was talking about, uh, Forbes, about General Conference. I don't see any chance after traditionalists decide to leave now, then expect that something good can come for us in court in 2024. Because mind, this is not the Bible as the word of God. This is now politics, mm-hmm. world politics. Mm. where evil strategies and tactics are involved. Corruption, lies, insult, all sorts of evil. It's, it's now part of a dirty game in a church that is supposed to keep integrity, purity, faith, people don't have faith in, 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 in the word of God anymore. And then they don't trust the word of God and then they don't respect it. Reason why we are so seeing all this violation going. So personally, General Conference 2024 is something for me to forget because they will say, James is gone strategies are being put in place to weaken the small group that will stay in and then sometimes they will start making jokes of those staying what are we what are you waiting for again you have your church you you need to go i read somewhere uh, i don't know if i'm correct the the, the council of bishops saying uh, wca should clarify its position. Did, did you read that? I did not read that, yes. but that's, yeah. should <laughs> I don't know how clarify. we could be more, I don't know how we could be more clear. Yeah, should clarify its position. You can't be old membership in, in two denominations. I, I, I saw that. So they can't say, we are in the UMC waiting for General Conference 2024, and then at the same time you launch your own denomination. So let's also be uh, uh, serious. Let's know, uh, do what we want and then do it openly. I don't want things like uh, being hesitating. You see, it's like you don't know where you are going. Mm -hmm. If you say you are launching a church, you launch, forget, forget, go and start new things. Don't say, you know, we are launching a church, then let's see... uh, what happens if General Conference 2024 20, does not meet? Hmm. And then there is another postponement. 
And then what happens if you go general conference, the, uh, the protocol is not on the agenda? Because this is politics. This is not the word of God. They are, they, they are doing that. To, they were against the, the protocol. They made sure we, are, we get upset. They made sure we are forced to leave. And then, now we can't go one step ahead and then two steps behind. So that is my personal comment on that uh, as a general conference. If we are not strategic, we'll end up being ashamed to say, ah, we didn't do the right things. Let's see what the game is. Let's understand the game and know who are the referees and what they are behind for. For the Congo, we are ready to start GMC now. It's now. It's already operating even under the tree, under the classroom, if, even if we don't have infrastructures, if we don't, we don't have any place to, to go, we worship in our houses, provided that we have legal papers with government, allows us to meet, then we, we go. And mm. then we trust God will provide mm. for the rest. Mm. Forbes, you want to you want to respond? Yeah, it's the two yeah. two very interesting contrasting views here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, I do appreciate where my brother Kimba is coming from, and definitely, they went through a very very harsh and very unchristian treatment, which we have never experienced in Zimbabwe, even if we have differences uh, here and there. So I do appreciate where it's coming from. But I think where we are standing is that today, the United Methodist does not accept homosexuality. It's official. Whether people are breaking the law or not is another th story. But the official position of the denomination today is clear. Homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Should the general conference sit tomorrow, I am believing that that would be restated clearly again. Just looking at the statistical information we are providing, that most United Methodists will still remain part of the United Methodists, even here, because the liberals are not giving people a clean sheet to go. You know, they, they don't want them, but they are not allowing them to go. So come 2024, we will still have a considerable number of even American traditionalists still in the United Methodist Church. So from just statistical point of view, I don't see how liberals will be able to change the discipline as soon. But, you know, over and above that, what we are saying here um, uh, very clearly is that uh, the commission is saying this is postponement. This is not a cancellation. So because of that language, the protocol is now the property of the, of the general conference. Secondly, we don't think that a commission is mandated to cancel the general conference, you know, a, a subcommittee cannot cancel what the mother body does. 
it would be illegal. So this is probably why they are using the language cancel, even if they know that it was supposed to be time to have a new general conference because commission has no power to cancel the general conference. Their mandate is to organize for the sitting of the general conference, not to cancel the general conference. So we are convinced that by 2024, we still have this postponed general conference. And the configuration of the general conference is such that I don't see how these uh, liberals will be able to change the configuration or even the, you know, you know, the polity of the United Methodists. I simply don't see that. But what they will do is exactly what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. They will try to disobey. But to disobey is just trying to be illegal. But the legal position is clear. <laughs> you know, so we will still be where we are. For me, I have no problems. For as long as they know what they are doing is illegal, it's unacceptable, they are, they are violating, let them do so. But our conscience are clean. It's them who are violating their own vows. So I shouldn't be guilty for the people that are committing a crime on their behalf. We maintain what is official and what is biblical. That is our position. All right, so Jonathan, I'm going to give you the last word here. So we've heard from our two African brothers who yeah. are on different sides of this. So where, where, where do you think uh, Philippines is on this? Uh, let me begin with this by saying that uh, I think you will agree, everybody will agree with me that we all love the United Methodist Church. That we are doing this not because we hate the United Methodist Church. At the same time, you will also agree with me that what is happening now in the United Methodist Church, we do not like. We do not like it. We do not want that uh, the the agenda of those who are uh, pushing the approval of the full inclusion of this uh, of the LGBTQ. I think uh, we all agree here that uh, as traditionalists, we do not want that to happen in the United Methodist Church by changing the language of the Book of Discipline so that uh, they will now be allowed, those who want to practice homosexuality in, in our church. I am praying actually that the Philippine, the leadership of the Philippine United Methodists, particularly the bishops, to lead the information dissemination to all Filipino United Methodists by allowing us or by uh, having a lot of uh, platform on how we can let all Filipino United Methodists to be well informed about the issue and allowing us to decide whether we will whether we will remain uni- member of the United Methodist Church after if ever if ever the the United Methodist Church will allow the the, this uh, movement to change the language of the Book of Discipline, if with if the Philippine if ever Filipino United Methodists 
will jo- will continue to be member of the United Methodist Church let them decide let them by, let them uh, make an intelligent uh, decisions because they are well informed about the issue and if ever they there are those who will decide to become member of the Global Methodist Church, I hope that they will not intimidate them. I hope that there will be no such thing as uh, con- in con- during conferences, annual conference sessions, they will conduct this loyalty, che- loyal- loyalty check. They will ask us to renew our loyalty to the United Methodist Church. They will ask us to to pledge that we still uh, that we are still loyal to the United Methodist Church. I hope that time will come that they will instead ask uh, the 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 members of the United Methodist Church, both clergy and lay. I hope that they will ask all of us that whether we are still loyal to Christ, whether we are still loyal to the teaching of Christ, whether we are still loyal to the what is the Bible is telling us about this human sexuality, whether we are still loyal to our vows as clergy that we are there to 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 teach the gospel, the true gospel not the gospel of the LGBTQ. The, the, I hope that, and it's my prayer, that time will come that they will no longer ask us whether we are still loyal to the United Methodist Church, but instead, after giving us all the opportunities to understand this issue, uh, everybody will... Uh, be uh, will agree whether and to disagree in whatever decision that we will make as Filipino United Methodists. And that is my prayer. That is what I want for the United Methodist Church in the Philippines. Well, Forbes, Jonathan, Kimba, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And I hope you'll be back on the podcast someday again soon when we can get back together. And hopefully on that day, we'll be able to say we're all part of the Global Methodist Church. So great to have you all here. And uh, we'll see you again here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.